Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of Rampage Rants live here on the Evolution Radio Network and exclusively live on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Statistic Sean David. I am the founder of the Evolution Radio Network as well as Rampage Rants and uh, the co-founder of Pro Wrestling Roundtable Slam, what ended up becoming Wrestling Authority Radio. I'd like to welcome you all into the ER here tonight. I am going to be talking about the birth of my company here in Illinois, the Rebellious Wrestling Federation, which I opened. Uh, my goodness, we're coming up on almost the 11th year anniversary of uh, our first event. Um, it does not feel like that long ago, but I will be 30 in November, and believe me, the body feels like it's, it's 30. Um, you know, the years of wrestling and entertaining new fans have certainly caught up with me. Um, so we'll be talking about that tonight. Uh, I don't know if Steve Kane is going to join me here tonight or not. I've sent an invitation. I know that Katie has the night off uh, to spend with family, um, but I, she may be listening. So uh, you never know who might call in and, and join us here. So um, with that being said, I want to give everybody a programming update. Uh, as usual, we will be back on Thursday night with Rampage Rants Thursday Night Turmoil this Thursday night, I believe. Um, yes. And if not, we will uh, certainly put an update on our pages, and I'll have one on mine personally to uh, let everybody know. But uh, I believe AEW Dynamite is still going to be on Wednesday, which means we'll be on Thursday night this week. I believe it's the following week that there's going to be changes. So, um with that being said, um, the RWF started out in, well, <laughs> there's actually a couple stories on how the RWF was going to get started. Originally, I had a friend that came to me in 2005 after Revolution Championship Wrestling closed in uh, Ladd, Illinois, and uh, the venue in Ladd was actually looking to get more wrestling in there, and I had talked to them, and um, God, I was only like 16 at the time, and there was just no way we could pull off the logistics of it, even though um, I had a few people that thought they could come through with funding on it. Um, so that was attempt number one. Attempt number two came in May of 2009. Uh, I was going to run Rockford, Illinois for a team center, and um, they, wanted, they wanted a six-month contract, and we hadn't even run the first event yet. And I said, look, I, I – I can't give you a six-month contract on something that I doesn't. I don't know if it's going to work, and and risk you know, all of that. So um, basically, what happened is we we know about the falling out with HCWA Midwest, and um, I had uh, I, I didn't want to leave there. I did not want to leave Princeton in 2009. Um, it was becoming quite a hotbed for wrestling. I think that had the situation. Uh, involving my leaving never happened. Um, I don't know that RWF would have opened in 2009. I think if, if maybe I would have taken the money that we used to open RWF to invest in HCWA um, after the fair show, that things could have turned out a hell of a lot differently for that company and certainly this area. Because um, you got to remember, 2009 is right when Dreamwave opened. They opened 
uh, April of 2009, and HCWA had been running the area since September of 2008. It was my first event with them and their first event in the area after um, it was supposed to be us and Tim Lyle, but Tim Lyle found out that I was booked in the main event, and I ain't going to be a part of that. So that's how all of that came to be. Um, but basically what happened is I went back to work for Big Daddy in the Quad Cities and I was booking out there and, uh, I had booked before I had, you know, I've told stories. I, I booked with Big Daddy in 2008. I got my, uh, trainer sin booked and machine and JT Simmons and uh, a couple commentators and quite a few other talents, uh, out there booked and it worked. Uh, he used some of those guys for quite a while. And I knew that I could do it. And I, you know, I'd play fantasy booker. Um, but I had also kind of dabbled in booking backyard events um, at one point as a teenager. So you kind of use what you can pick up from the internet and reading books and you sit and try to put something together. Now, originally uh, when I found the building in Ashton, I was, I was going to, you know, keep it a, co-promotional show with WPPF. Um, I had talked to John Kmetz and a couple other people and they had advised against that. And we decided to not do that. And I, um, <laughs> I just happened to find a number for Ed Schumann. And I said, I'm, I'm going to call him and I'm going to see what this is going to do. And I called Ed and I had already had some talent booked. Um, I called Ed and we filled the rest of the card out and there were some people that were featured on the poster as you'll see in tonight's slideshow uh, that were not on that event. Um, Chief at Akulakula was scheduled to be on that event, but because of a, I'm, I'm going to call it a disagreement that was on the Chicago pro wrestling board. Um, he decided that he did not want to show up Um and uh, we parted ways amicably um, because it was easier that way. Um, he was scheduled originally on, on RWF Arisen in September of 2009. It was going to be Gavin Alexander against Chief Atakulakula in a hardcore match. Um, my thought process behind that was if I do something kind of like what we're doing in Princeton, I can get the Princeton fans to make the drive from Princeton to Ashton. And Ed had strongly advised against that um, because he wanted to see us go a different route and kind of knew that at 18 and having some years behind my belt wrestling and kind of doing this, that I wanted to go a different route than what they had kind of gone in Princeton as well with HCWA, that I was looking for a more in-your-face sports aggressive style without all the comedy and all the bullshit. Um, and we um, did not have Chief or Gavin on the first event. Um, the mobile homers were originally booked for this event. They were a tag team that had done some stuff with OVW. It was hell of a tag team. Those, those two, I don't know whatever happened to them, but they, they, they were very talented. Um, Ben Outlaw was going to be coming with them, who had sent me some tapes, 
and very talented individual and uh, quite a good looking fellow, you know, to have on your poster. Adam Evans, I had known since the RCW days in 2002, 2003, uh, good talent. Um, unfortunately, he didn't make it. Uh, I don't know really what happened with that. It was a long story. Uh, we sent him money and he sent it back and it just it didn't go anywhere else after that because I pretty much thought that the, the relationship had been soured. Um, trying to think who else is on there that didn't make it. Uh, look here. And I believe that was about it. Um, Dingo did not end up making it because it was either that weekend or the weekend prior to our event. Um, he had, he was the champion over at IWA Mid-South for Ian and busted his jaw pretty bad and was not able to compete at that time. Um, so we're going to talk about the, who was there and what we did end up doing. Um, I had decided that I was going to bring in Danny McKay. Danny McKay had kind of been a little bit of an influential uh, person in my career um, when he and Iggy were kind of co-running RCW and LaSalle. Um, so we did Danny McKay against Nick Cutler. Nick Cutler uh, was the guy that had messaged me out of Indiana that was looking for some work and had a good look to him. And I'd seen, you know, he'd worked for Big Daddy and um, good talent, I thought. So we put that match together. That was that was a good match until Danny McKay blew out his knee, um, which actually happened in that match. So um, that match probably could have been better had it not been for McKay blowing out his knee. Then the hooligans who, um, you know, I, I got my first – exposure to them when I was working for Big Daddy. Um, Devin and Mason Cutter, the hooligans, against Matt Cage and Neil Diamond Cutter. This was a hell of a tag team match. Uh, we have it on our YouTube page, and um, you can go and see that. It's outstanding tag team contest that was done the right way. Um, Devin and Mason are, I believe, retired at this point or semi-retired. Um, I don't know that Matt Cage works a lot anymore. You know, Diamond Cutter still does the deathmatch tournament here and there. Um, these guys were great. Also, this this was a really great tag team match. Then we had the Canadian Cougar against Aaron O'Ryan. Uh, Aaron O'Ryan, who we want to send our thoughts and well wishes to, um, obviously with the situation with Wyatt. Um, if you can donate to that, um, please do. Um, because that that guy... I couldn't even imagine. Um, so our thoughts and prayers are with him and Wyatt. Uh, it was the Canadian Cougar against Aaron O'Ryan and Bobby Valentino. Uh, this was a three-way dance and very, very, very different styles coming from each competitor in the match. Um, it was certainly different and certainly uh, something that um, fans enjoyed. Then, uh, this probably he probably got the biggest pop of the night when he came out the Mississippi Madman against Bucky Collins and the dodgeball superstar Tyler Pregel in Bucky Collins corner um, Mississippi Madman I had known he'd worked for my brother and I in 2007 in Sterling phenomenal talent um, just all around great dude he can move he can work and um, 
he ended up getting injured. We didn't get to use him on the other two events we did in Ashton. But originally, when this event was put together and we were making plans to move forward in Ashton, uh, Mississippi Madman was a part of those plans. Uh, Mason Beck, who has gone places, um, you know, I remember kind of when he got his start. Um, it was, you know, years and years ago. Uh, Mason Beck wrestled Chris Cordes at our first event. And this, these two, Chris Corvus had worked for uh, HCWA Midwest. He was their heavyweight champion. Outstanding looking guy, outstanding talent, could talk on the mic um, against Mason Beck. And Mason, you know, Mason was, he, he was a big dude. This was, this was a hell of a contest. Then uh, it was originally going to be a triple threat match. Uh, it was going to be Kyle O'Reilly against Tony Kazina against Dingo. Uh, we had not advertised it as such, but we were going to change it that night. And uh, obviously, like I said, Dingo could not make it because of the um, injury to his jaw that he sustained. So um, unfortunately, Dingo didn't end up making any of the events in Ashton either. He really wished he could have, but uh, he did not. Uh, but we did get Kyle O'Reilly, and look where that kid has gone now. We've said it before, um, but that Tony Kazina versus Kyle O'Reilly was something special. That is exactly the kind of style that I was looking to birth with RWF. Um, and then you had the main event for the NWA Midwest Heavyweight Championship. It was Silas Young defending against one half of the NWA Midwest and NWA World Tag Team Champions, Rashi Brown. These two went 20 minutes in a time limit draw. And um, it, it, the night culminated with the almighty Sheik making his debut, attacking Silas Young at the end of the night. I posted the video on my page. Um, matter of fact, under the link for the show, I posted that video. And um, man, that was some controversial stuff we were doing back then. It was just wild and uh, Sheik busted Silas open and ran off with the NWA Midwest heavyweight title. Um, crazy stuff. Very crazy stuff. Also that night I announced that Steve Carino would be at our next event in October of 2009. Uh, we will talk about October 2009, RWF Trick or Beat at a later date. Uh, kind of more of a deep dive into that. And um, your ring announcer was Jeff Hanawa. I hope I said that right. Uh, Jeff and his wife uh, Michelle had worked for Jesse Hernandez out on the, I believe, West Coast. And um, Michelle was a great photographer, and Jeff was a hell of a guy. If you needed somebody to write a review on your event, Jeff could write a hell of a review. He could also do interview segments. He was, he was well-rounded at what he could do. Um, this was the, the only event that Jeff was able to make with us as our ring announcer before uh, I unfortunately had to replace him because he came down with an illness that uh, really, um, I believe by December of 2009, he was gone. Um, it shocked all of us. It was, it was very sad and it happened very fast. Um, unfortunately, because I was dedicated to running the events, three events we had signed for Ashton, I did not give his death all of the attention that I should have when it happened. Uh, this man was just very kind. Him and his wife went out of their ways to help me in more ways than one. Um, 
they helped HCWA. They cared a lot about the wrestling community. And um, I was sad to see him go. Uh, you were official for that night because this was before Steve Kane came on board, who was, uh, I believe, with us at this time. Uh, your official yep. for this event was PJ Drummond. Um, Steve, Ed had been high on PJ, which was fine. PJ was a good official, always was. But as time went on, it uh, got to be a little bit expensive in the pocketbook um, at a steeper price than um, probably, you know, some pe- other people would have paid him. Um, this event was sanctioned and under the supervision of the National Wrestling Alliance and NWA Midwest. This event sparked so much fear in people when it was announced and when people learned who some of the talent was that when this happened, Jay Repsol actually put a ban on Dreamwave Talent working for me. Um, we had actually looked into some talent, and I don't know if it was a combination of Ed and me together or what it was, but Repsol had said anybody that works for Dreamwave Wrestling cannot work there, um, which was unfortunate for our fans and kind of his fans because there was some talent that could have worked in both places that could have really done well. Um, if he would have grabbed Kyle O'Reilly at that time, man, they they I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due. They had the platform for Kyle that we didn't have. We were just starting out. Um, but Kyle and Bo- Kyle versus Kuzina embodied everything that I wanted to do with the company. Um, trying to see here. I got something going on here. Funky. All right. Um, um, now, Steve did not get to uh, be a part of this first event, but he heard about it and he was sent footage of it. And, um, you know, here's what people don't realize. I was 18. I was bound to make mistakes. Mistakes were made. Um, this, was, this was promoted on television. This was promoted. Uh, we had one sponsor that bought us radio ads. Um, we had promoted this thing as heavily as what we thought needed to be done at that time. Now, this was before the invention of Facebook ads and everything like that. Back in 2009, you had MySpace. I don't think that you could advertise on MySpace or pay to advertise on MySpace like you can now with Facebook. No, Um, no, not at all. Unfortunately. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the unfortunate thing about that. And, um, I mean, you could publicize yourself back then, but uh, only your friends would see it. Right. Well, and that's just it. Um, So we had to do what we had to do. It drew about 100 people. Um, We were hoping for a hell of a lot more than that, honestly, but it was what it was. The whole thing was we had shaken up the business. Nobody was running events like this. AEW had used some of this talent, but not all of it. And certainly didn't have all of the people that we had under one roof at one time. Um, now, AAW in the later years, when, you know, they, they had all this talent. At one point, a, lot, a majority of this talent passed through the doors of AAW, um, other than a few guys. But um, in 2009, we were doing things differently. Nobody... Nobody 
south of Chicago was doing a card like this. Um, that's no disrespect to the other promoters out there. It's just the truth. Um, Dreamwave was doing their thing with the names and kind of finding their footing. I was going out of my way to try to find the best talent that we could get um, at the budget that I had. Now, um, Ed had been stern on kind of what he wanted, and we we didn't butt heads uh, really too much on the first event. He said, "This is your baby. We're gonna we're gonna launch this thing the way you want, uh, and then you know we're gonna mold it into what it needs to be." Um, I don't know that we would have done much differently. Uh, maybe there could have been some different talent that we could have brought in in 2009, but under Ed's guidance, this was a hell of a car. Um, he gave everybody their finishes. I had no clue how to do that back then. Um, you know, I, I got there. I made sure the ring was set up. I got to the building. I, you know, we were doing our own concessions at that point. So I was literally running around wearing 20 different hats and learned real quick <clears throat> why more people need to have respect for the promoters more than anybody else in that building, you need to respect the promoter that's going out of his way to do this event because the wear and tear that this puts on you, my God, you'll age 20 times faster, especially in the wrestling business. You know, people think yep. those bumps and bruises hurt. They do, but the emotional roller coaster of promoting an event, my God. Um, so we, we did this and uh, we had one hell of a great response in the town. I lived in the town at the time and people raved about this for about six weeks until the next one came along. And um, I was a little apprehensive to do the next one with, because of how the, the low draw was, but you know, others put faith in me and said, Hey, we've, we've got to continue with this thing. Cause it's only going to grow from here. And it did. Um, so we're going to break from this for a little bit. We've got a little bit of, uh, we've got some news stories I want to cover. Um, there is something going on up in Michigan. I don't know what it is. I wish I could explain it. Um, I believe I know who they're related to, but that, does, that still doesn't make this right. Um, it looks like there's going to be kids wrestling in, event in Michigan on the 22nd. And I, yeah. They look to be maybe thirteen at that. Or if, if they're if they're that old, then I'm the king of Scotland. They look like they're about ten. Well, I mean seriously, you know, take blow up that picture, Sean. They're, these two these two look to be about ten. Um. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, you know, there there have been a lot of people that have asked, you know, why I started so young. And I started so young because I had connections. That was the only reason, you know. Um, I had connections, and, and I was the annoying pest that wouldn't go away. Steve Kane will tell you that. Because believe yep. me. Wicked, Wicked thought they could get rid of me after the Spike Dudley training seminar when Spike pretty much told me, he was like, yeah, you, you don't have it. Came back. Kept coming back. 
found my way around figuring something out to do in the ring and, and making it work and having a nice little in-ring career. And, um, you know, now I do the promoting. Um, the promoting is a thousand times harder than being in the ring because it's psychology. And not everybody understands psychology and wrestling. Everybody says that they understand it, but not everybody understands it. And that's why you have things like this: what's on this poster going on. We're going to put 12 and 13-year-olds, maybe younger than that, in the ring because we can. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. Jim Cornette says it best when he impersonates Dusty Rhodes on his show, on his podcast. Don't do shit you don't know how to do. If you don't know how to do something, don't do it. Don't do shit you don't know how to do. Yep. And you got too many people running around that are doing that. Um, at 18, I thought I, I could do this. And I proved to myself that I could. But I also proved to myself real quick that there were a lot of things that I needed to learn. That I needed to take a back seat to guys like Steve and like Ed and like other people that were there to learn from them. Because if I didn't, it was all it was all in vain. Everything would have been in vain. And it would have just been some Mark kid paying to be a promoter and paying a bunch of guys and that being it. It was the life lessons that came along with running these events that really kind of molded me into the promoter that I am today. Because these didn't go off, certainly, the way that everybody hoped they would. But that's the gamble in it, and that's what people don't understand. The gamble in running an event is more than going to the roulette table and saying, put $5,000 on 10. I'm going to let Steve talk about this, because he's promoted too. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I mean, you know, the thing, the thing about it, and that's what, that's what people don't tend to get is how difficult a job it actually is, especially when you're wearing multiple hats. Um, because, uh, when I broke away from Windy City and, uh, um, with a uh, partner started, uh, the UWF, um, well, actually UWA. I was gonna go with UWF, but uh, was we we kind of we kind of say well maybe we better not uh, do do a name that's already been done. Uh, but anyway, you know, I mean, we and and we had and we had ourselves and this is the thing, we had probably the best medium possible, which was a cable access show. We were right. on. In 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 our area, every 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 Saturday at one o'clock. Um, in fact, uh, the fun fact, the funny thing is, and I don't think I've ever told you this. Um, there were there were times during that during that run that in the that in the fall, um, we would in in this area. Um, get more viewers than uh, ABC was for the, for uh, college football at the time. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'd be shopping with my then wife at the time, you know, at, uh, at uh, one of the local stores and 
serious and and seriously, I had people coming up to me and going, "Hey, you're the you're the guy that does that uh, wrestling show on Channel Six, aren't you?" Yeah, that's me. You know, hey, nice nice to meet you. Really good show. Really like it. And that and it's like, well, thank you. You know, um, <clears throat> even thing is that um, when um, we um, I was I was tell, I was working a concert um, that was being headlined by, ironically enough, Skillet which is the wow. band whose song legendary is the, uh, is the current theme for, for Rod raw. Right. And this was, yeah, this was, got in, a lot this of was, stuff out. Oh yeah. Well, this was, this was in there. This was in the earlier years and that, uh, it was part of, part of a big outdoor festival. Uh, I won't, uh, get into all of those, you know, who was all on there and that because, no, uh, but- Unless you're, let's put it this way, unless you're, unless you're in the, unless you're in the Christian music scene, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know who, who any of these people were, but right. anyway, yeah, but anyway, um, oh, I'm out there, I'm, I'm helping out, uh, with the, uh, then, uh, local Christian radio station and that, and so I'm with uh, the people from, uh, a church I was attending at the time. And we were, you know, digging, digging what Skillet was doing in that. And somebody comes up and goes, hey, you're the guy from the wrestling show, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. Well, I said, hey, I'd like to thank you because uh, I appreciate the fact you stand up for your beliefs on the air and that. It's like, oh, wow, thank you. But anyway, I'm getting <sighs> I'm getting off track here and going into some uh, self and self and gratification too here so um but you know i mean you know you have even with that kind of stuff in hand okay that doesn't mean that things are going to work out right our opening our first event we ran we ran two events our first event uh we pulled in a uh Long time uh, dear friend, dear friend of mine, uh, King Kong Bundy. God rest his soul. Love that guy. Always had a great time with him. And in fact, in fact, the uh, in fact the uh, the only reason we actually up. lost we money on some. that one, Sean, was we lost money on his fee. If we wouldn't have had, if we would, if we would not have had Chris. On that show, we would have actually broke even the first night, and that, and we were, and we were up against um, a uh, big, uh, serious uh, football rivalry at the time because uh, I believe uh, Harvard. We were we were in Union at Wild West Town, um, and. Harvard was uh, was playing Hampshire, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, you gotta realize this was uh, you know 20 years ago, and I've had a lot of matches, um, a few hits to the head, and that. So I don't, you know, my my memory doesn't always get all the details right because, you know, hey, you know, I 
I'm sure I've said before, I've got, I'm sure I've got at least a slight bit of CTE up there. Oh, I'm sure. Um, um, we are going to, we are going to take you know, a quick break. I have some yeah, news that we're going to break when we come back from the break. Um, folks, I've got to break this to Steve Kane personally, because if I don't, if I sent, if I do it over Facebook, he's going to get really mad. So we're going to take a song break. We're going to come right back. We're going to discuss uh, the unfortunate passing of a WWE legend. And um, we will be back momentarily on more of Rampage Rants here on Sunday night. Wow. 
Oh God. Okay. Well. All right. Um, trying to get some further um, verification, but uh, unfortunately, it uh, looks like we've uh, just lost one of our one of our great guys. The guy that I got to work with uh, many many years ago, uh, James Harris. A.K.A. Kamala, the Ugandan savage, um, apparently uh, just uh, passed away within the last uh, last uh, couple of hours or so, um, and we're getting that information from uh, Eric Sims, who um, promotes uh, wrestler conventions. And such, and so um, I'm I'm going to take uh, Sean take it for take it for a few minutes. I'm uh, you know what I got to do here. So. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kamala the Ugandan giant. Um, Steve will tell his stories when he comes back, but um, make sure you're on mute here, buddy. Uh, years ago, I. Um, I'm going to get teared up of talking about this. Uh, years ago, I was booked on an event with Kamala. Um, I got down to the venue that night, and uh, I was actually was actually booked to manage Kamala that night. Um, it did not end up happening because of a disagreement between the uh, promoter's sister and I, um, who was the financial backer, so I got pulled from the event. Um, Long story, very young me and very mouthy me learned real quick, you don't do that. Um, But I did get to meet Kamala and one of the most humble, genuine guys I had ever met um, because I I went in there and introduced myself, hello, sir. And he says, what can you do, kid? And I said, I can do anything you need me to do, sir. And he says, you and I are going to get along great. We're going to have a lot of fun out there. And this was before we found out that I wasn't going to be working the event, but um, devastated. I was a fan. Um, as a child, I was terrified um, because I had not seen the stuff um, that he had done in other companies, like his early career in the 70s and Continental and Mid-South and uh, World Class or anything, you know, early on, pre-90s. But in 1995, when he was, or even 1992, 1992 and 1993, um, when he was with the WWF again, then when he went to WCW um, as part of the Dungeon of Doom, he terrified me. I was, I was terrified because literally, you know, Kevin Sullivan had talked about feeding him babies. Um, so it was very terrifying as a child to hear about Kamala and see this huge giant of a man with paint all over his body and all over his face. And he'd come out with that mask and 
you know, again, the Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan can make anybody terrifying. Um, he was one of a kind. Um, matter of fact, I will try to pull it uh, for our program on Thursday. There was actually a recent question sent to Jim Cornette about Kamala and how the gimmick uh, had come about on his program. And I will um, work with Steve Kane on getting that ripped so we can play that on Thursday. Because it's actually quite an interesting story because it was actually, you know, Jerry Jarrett and uh, Jerry the King Waller that came up with it, and along with a couple others um, that really accentuated it. And uh, Corny had told some stories about Kamala working the events and that his time in Mid-South was really the greatest time that he had from a booking standpoint that WCW didn't really get it and he was slowing down a lot by that point and how Vince just clearly didn't get it because go back and listen to the stories of what Vince paid him to work with or what came out of Kamala's mouth himself about working with Hulk Hogan and working with some of the other people that he did that he put over so much and got shit paydays for because he was Kamala and we can get away with this. No. That but again, it was a time in wrestling where we treated those kind of people differently. And I don't mean to say those kind of people in a derogatory manner, but that's that's the truth of the matter. Kamala got treated differently because he was different. And it was bullshit then it's still bullshit now obviously with what we've got currently going on in our world we see that but kamala should have never been treated differently he made a money, hulk hogan a lot of money and he should have made a fair amount of that money that hulk hogan made too because he deserved it and then when kamala got sick and had to have his legs amputated wwe would not step in and help him with a goddamn wheelchair there were other people that had to do that, like the Cauliflower Alley Club and other people personally. So, Vince, you can play the graphic on Monday night all you want, tomorrow night all you want, but if you really gave a damn, you would have taken care of one of your boys a hell of a lot sooner. Because this is... And then to find out what he got on royalties on some of the figures you put out on him. But um, we'll get to that more with Steve Kane when he comes back momentarily. And I am going to uh, get off my rant here. We're going to play this. And this is in the honor of the memory and the legacy of the Ugandan giant, Kamala. All right, and uh, I am back. Uh, once again, I am Sadistic Sean David, and um, I 
don't believe we'll be taking another song break at this point, but we'll, 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 we will be continuing with the program. I am waiting for Steve Kane to return, and he will share his memories. I'm working with Kamala, and I'll refresh him on my working with him um, because I know he's off making phone calls to our good friend Bill After and a couple other people um, that may not have gotten the information that uh, we just got. I'd like to uh, once again inform all of our fans and listeners that unfortunately uh, 2020 has taken yet another one in the Ugandan giant Kamala. Um, Deeply saddened by this news. Great guy would have gone out of his way to help anybody that he could um, and did not deserve to be treated the way he was treated by some of the bigger companies that he worked for. Uh, which was differently. Um, we know the, why that is, but it still does not make it right um, by any means. And so um, we're going to talk about it. Um, he, he had a, quite a career from 1978 under Sugar Bear Harris until um, his retirement in 2010. Um, and I'm not going to talk about who he worked with on that event, because that just will not be talked about here. Because um, I'm sure they would have some pretty hateful things to say about the man, and I would love very much to punch them in the face if they were to do that. So we're just going to leave that alone. Um, I met Kamala in 2008. In 2011, he had his amputations and um, just other health complications. He is a former um, USWA World Heavyweight Champion four times. Um, he was in the Texas Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2012. Why he never made the WWE Hall of Fame, we know. Um, but I could have thought that he was in other pro wrestling Hall of Fames. I um, evidently was wrong about that. Not the first time I've been wrong. Won't be the last, but um, this is a man that I mean, just never deserved to be treated differently by Vince, by anybody, and was, and um, may have not been the best talent in the world, but, um, you know, he certainly had a look that was intimidating, and he... um, Again, he made all that money with Hogan, and Hogan made a majority of it, and poor Kamala got what he got. And we know that that wasn't a lot. If you go listen to the interviews that are out there on YouTube and other sources of media, it's just not a pretty situation. And it just it did not end up being what we thought it was going to be for him. Um, is 
what they will say, but it doesn't, you know, he, he was money. Um, he certainly was with kimchi and, you know, he'll never be forgotten because there's never going to be another one. Um, some other things that are in the news while we wait on Steve Kane to come back, um, cause we're, we're going to get to this more momentarily. Um, We have an update on Will Ospreay. Oh, come on, go the hell away. Um, well, I had one momentarily. Um, obviously, there's still speculation going on with that. Um, but there's articles out there as of right now on what could be going on. And it's kind of still a sticky situation because of what's going on. Um, could he return? Uh, that's possible. But um, we, I don't know. He's very talented. And I, he's very talented, but Talent does not give you the right to do what you did. And we've said that before about other people. Um, so we will have to wait and see if he makes a return or not. Um, would be very interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks and few months. I want to remind everybody that we will be back for our normally scheduled program on Thursday the 13th at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, right back here on the Evolution Radio Network, live and exclusively live on Blog Talk Radio. It will be myself, the Dean of Wrestling, Steve Kane, and Chaotic Katie. Uh, we will be discussing all the news in wrestling and uh, probably more about Kamala because um, Katie's not with us tonight, and I'm sure you're going to give her her chance to talk about her memories of the Ugandan giant, Kamala. Um, boy, 2020 has just been brutal uh, for the wrestling fans. Uh, it's been <laughs> brutal for us all in general, but boy, the wrestling fans are just getting harder than I believe anybody else at this point with all of our legends being taken away from us. Um, we say that life is not fair. It never is. Uh, tomorrow's not promised, unfortunately. And it's not, um, you know, we, you're always taken off guard when something like this happens because you never expect it. Um, I guess that's kind of why they call it the unexpected because it just comes out of nowhere and, um, sometimes you can predict that it's going to happen, but you never know when. So death is a very funny thing that way. Um, it's very sad. Um, I want to send my well wishes to his family and friends. Um, he was a, again, sorry, he Sean. Was had, certainly. Uh, yeah, I, I was just, you know, obviously I was making all the phone calls that uh, I unfortunately seem to be the bur one burden to make when something like this happens. 
and that uh, poor Brian Blair is just, I mean, he is, he is just, he's broke, he's broken up so badly right now. Um, and of course, uh, Brian and James were real close. Um, Cauliflower Alley Club did a lot for James. Well, um, I, I talked about that, uh, and we're going to rehash everything that I talked about while you're gone. Uh, we'll do okay, it here thanks. in order. I appreciate it. First of all, first of all, obviously, we have lost a great man in uh, Sugar Bear Harris, a.k.a. the Ugandan giant Kamala. Um, he had health problems for a long time, people. Um, unfortunately, when his health problems started, Mr. Vince McMahon did not want to help Kamala. Now, I want to go back even further than that. When Kamala worked with Hulk Hogan, he made Hulk Hogan a lot of freaking money. Kamala yeah. did not get a big payday from working with Hogan, but Hogan got a big payday. Right. Kamala was never treated by either WCW or the WWF fair. Whether it was race, whether it was talent, we will never know. I believe it was a little bit of both. He may have not been the greatest wrestler. But he came in there at a time when Vince needed somebody, and he filled the spot that Vince needed. He yeah. made money and, for Vince with Hogan and others. Right, right. I mean, and he had, and he, he had the, at the time what was it? What was an excellent gimmick uh, of of the of the you know big Ugandan. Now, of course, I mean nowadays you obviously obviously we would we would not have. A, uh, a Kamala character in in this day and age because you know of of racial sensitivities. Now right. at the time, you know, just like just like with the uh, with the with the Russian, you know, and of course uh, Iron Sheik, you know, you <laughs> could you could have you could have those. I well, you could. I mean, seriously, you could have those type of villain stereotypes i mean that i mean and obviously that stuff dates all the way back to um the late uh fritz von erich who i remember the first gimmick that i saw tim lyle do in this area it it was him and brian lyle as the russians right oh i mean you you thought but you're right back then people did not it was not such a big thing and, and maybe yeah. it should have been. That's where we kind of screwed up as a society. It probably should have been a big deal 20, 30 years ago. But yeah. you had the Russians, you had the Iron Sheik, you had the Sheik, you had right. uh, Heel Sergeant Slaughter, which <laughs> whoever thought right. they would have saw that. I mean, right. You know, um, could you imagine? I mean, now, let me say this real quick before we talk yeah. more about Kamala. I will give Hogan. I've got to preface this question. Could you imagine if Vince would have done an anti-American Lex Luger or Hulk Hogan in the '90s? People would have lost their freaking mind. This is the kind of well, stuff we are well, talking about, folks. Well, actually, well, actually, he actually. Uh, let's see here. Let me let me pull let me pull up. Sergeant Slaughter. Well, I know Sergeant Slaughter was healed. That's what I was saying. But if he would have turned anybody right. else healed, like anti right. anti-American Hulk here's, Hogan. Well, because of the fact. Okay. All right. Because here's because this is the this is the thing. Um, 
on that. Let's let's see here if I can. I mean, I'll, I'll get I'll get I'll get a I'll get a time frame on on when that. Uh, um, let's now see. as I said, my first okay, exposure that's... to Kamala was in the '90s. I was born in 1990. I did not see his you know early career continental stuff, mid south stuff, world class stuff, early WWF stuff. Um, I didn't see any of that. What I saw was the late 80s, the return to WWF, the second return to WWF in the 90s, um, and his world championship wrestling. What made him more terrifying than anything else is when he was part of Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom in 95, where Sullivan talked about him eating children. Like, here I am at like six years old, and Kevin Sullivan is talking about Kamala eating children. That was the most ter- one of the most terrifying segments I ever remembered in my life. But Kamala was great. Uh, I met him in 2008. I'll tell more of that story here in a minute. Go ahead, Steve, with the information. Okay, yeah. Up. Well, actually, actually, I was because that was that was uh, in the that was in the 90s, Sean. Um, in fact, actually, let's see. I think uh, it was around 94 or so was when they was when they did that. Um, in fact, let me. I'm going to look up relocation of WrestleMania um, because oh, at that, that time, that. right? Because see, at that at that time, okay, because because the main event of of WrestleMania that year was supposed to be Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> um, And let's okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Um let's let's see if I can uh let's see, okay. Because what happened was at the time, um, Slaughter went back to went back to being heel, um, and then uh, he he uh, was at that point managed by uh, Sheikh Adnan Casey, um, and there we go. Okay, here we are. Um, yeah, that was that was WrestleMania seven, um, which was supposed to be at the uh, Memorial Coliseum. Which at that time that was going to be the first outdoor WrestleMania. Um, wow! And supposedly there were um, bomb threats. Um, they, Slaughter at the time was actually was actually uh, receiving death threats. Wow. So, um, um, and but back to you know, Kamala. Yeah. Uh, so that you know. Yeah. So yeah, and that's so that's the thing. I mean, you know, 
again, I mean, the, you know, the Kamala situation, like I say, you know, um, you know, yeah, obviously we know that, um, you know, the evil foreign villains had been in place, um, ever since the, um, late forties, early fifties, like say, um, Jack Adkisson, Fritz von Erich, who was a Texan that played a, uh, a dirty German by the name of Fritz von mm-hmm. Erich. Um, right. Here, here in the, here in the Midwest, James Rashke, mild, mild mannered, right. uh, teacher from Edina became Baron von Rashke, the, Right. Dreaded German German supervillain, along with his uh, tag partner Hans Schmidt. You know, and this and, and this kind of stuff was was going on. Um, and so when the when the character was when the character of uh, Kamala was developed, um, you know, at that at that point, he was the you know. The you know some some places he was billed as the Ugandan giant, other places he was billed as the Ugandan savage, and like you said, talking about the uh, idea that uh, Kamala was going to eat your children, and that. Well, and it's, it's, it's funny it's, because Kamala Kamala didn't start as Kamala; he started as Sugar Bear Harris. Right. His Which first manager was Percy Pringle. Um, right. They're together again. That'll, you know, that would be, I bet that's a sight. Yeah. Um, you did not have people like this, uh, you know, doing stuff like this. I believe that it was uh, Harris, Lawler, and Jerry Jarrett that developed Kamala. Um, it was originally not spelled K-M-A-L-A. It was K-I-M-A-L-A. Yeah. Um, here's the backstory behind it. He He's a former bodyguard, uh, deposed president of Uganda, Idi, Ad, Idi Amin, who had been discovered Idi by Amin, J.J. Yeah. Dillon during an excur- excursion to Africa. A promotional vignette aired on WMC-TV featured in a spear-wielding Kamala seemingly emerging from a steamy African jungle. The vignette was actually filmed in Jared's farm in Tennessee, with the steam effect being created by dry ice. Um, he refused to speak English while working in Texas. Or in, in the Memphis, sorry. I read that wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, you did. Folks, this was uh, this was a true definition of a legend. He was around since 1978. They don't make them like this anymore. We know that we say that a lot, but it's the truth. And when he went to WWF, he got screwed. Maybe not the first time. Second time, he got screwed. Second and third time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how bad he got screwed by Eric Bischoff, but I know he was there. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really sad because what happened was he had diabetes 
and he needed an amputation, and he needed he needed help. Yeah, and he well, he in, actually he then, actually lost uh, he lost both legs uh, right around the knee eventually. Yeah, uh, you know he relied on disability checks because Vince would not for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. And he wasn't, and he wasn't getting that much. I mean, uh, one of the, one of the things that um, the uh, cauliflower alley club did in, in his lifetime was actually save his home. He was in the, I mean, he had he had a he had a small place, and that, but um, because his checks weren't going that far, because he was also on dialysis, and that and that was, and that was costing him money because they had because they didn't have, you know, obviously, you know, most professional wrestlers, unless they're making a ton of money. And can afford like a Lloyd's of London policy, like the Road Warriors and Kurt Hennig did, and that. Now, you're coming up with this stuff out of pocket, and right. you know, and and dialysis treatments are not cheap, and so because no. of that, um, I mean, he was he had a. Uh, a suburban that had 300,000 miles on it. He was in the process of uh, losing his home and our good friend, Brian Blair and uh, the cauliflower alley club stepped in and raised the funds for him to be able to save his home. I think they actually were able to, uh, Get him a get him a vehicle they got that him, they uh, got he could get in in his chair. Right, right, right. Because I mean, you know, because his daughter was having to get him in and out of an SUV. This is a three hundred plus pound man with with no with no legs below the knee. Right, and you know, but the other. This is the amazing thing, and this is, and this is a tribute to the uh, character James Harris, the man. Um, he never, he never felt sorry for himself. Um, he never let the situation get him down. He, he just, I mean. He soldiered. He soldiered through a situation that, um, honestly, had it been any one of us, and I will, and I will include myself in that. Um, oh, despite uh, despite living with a hand that uh, doesn't work right, and that he still got through it, he still went through it with a greater grace than I think most of us ever would. He was 70 years old. Wow. That's all. Holy cow. 
Um, I'm going to tell my story. Um, in 2008, Big Daddy had booked a Legends reunion. Um, actually, he booked quite a few of them. Um, I was booked on these series of events, and I was excited. Uh, the first event was supposed to have Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. and some impersonation of Dust. I believe it was going to be Dusty Wolf as Doink the Clown. Um, okay. So, um, Dusty didn't make it. Bob made it. Um, Corporal Robinson was also there that night. That was the first time I ever met him. He was kind of cool. Mm. Um, met Jamie Dundee, the, the racist prick. that Everybody knows he is now. Um, yeah. I did not know that back then. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly did not know yeah. that back then, well. but don't want to, I don't uh, yeah yeah I yeah I don't want I don't want to get back I don't want to get into uh Jamie and uh and Wolf no I don't uh, even want to talk about those so, two right now or you know, I was working I was working for him and I had gone down to I believe the second event that was booked and uh it was a huge legends reunion Greg the Hammer Valentine and Kamala and uh, oh god who else was booked for that event Kamala, uh, Coco Beware, Coco Beware, Kamala, uh, Bob Orton Jr., Greg Valentine, and I think somebody else. I think maybe Smothers was there that night, too. Um, so mm-hmm. I get down there, and Joey Grunge was helping book, and, you know, Joey went in and talked to Big Daddy. Big Daddy was busy. She said, go talk to Joey. Joey's got an idea for you tonight. So Joey's at the table doing some stuff, and I said, what's going on boss and uh he said uh he said we're gonna have you work with kamala tonight i said you want to run that by me again because i was like 16 i was like what (laughs) i've been here i've been here one show and my next show i'm you want to run that by me again and he says no kamala's in back go talk to him and uh we're going to have you manage kamala and uh, that's what the plan is for you tonight. So, okay. I'm here to do whatever you know that. Um, very young in my career still, but willing to do whatever. And I went back to the locker room and talked with Kamala and, uh, I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, what are you, what are you able to do? And I said, I'm, I'm here to do anything you need me to do. And he says, we're going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, we had everything worked out, you know, um, he was going to be managing him, and unfortunately, you know, he was going to. I don't mean to spoil results, but he was he was he was not going to be winning the event. Um, right. Well, it was going to be my fault, and uh, they wanted him to do some kind of splash on me. And I said, "Hey, I said <laughs> I can get this on video and sell this for the rest of my life. I'll do whatever you need me to." Fortunately, that didn't happen because Big Daddy's sister and I had gotten into it. Um, but I did meet Kamala, and he was super sweet man. Um, also got to hear a little bit of Coco Beware, and Coco Beware on a microphone talking about wrestling. Um, that's a treat. Um, I sat there for like 40 minutes and listened to that. So, you know, um, Kamala was a great guy, and he's going to be missed. I wish I really could have worked with him, and uh, he said the same thing. Uh, he says, you know, he says, you seem like a bright kid. You would have been fun to work with, and I'm sure you would have learned a lot from me. Um, 
I was very sad when he was amputated. Um, I thought that the way that that happened because of WWE not stepping in or um, somebody else besides Cauliflower Alley was very wrong. Um, and I couldn't understand that Vince had gone out of his way to help talents that were drug addicts, but couldn't go out of his way to help somebody that had one time made his company a lot of money. Um, it just didn't make sense to me. So now I'm going to hand things over to Steve Kane and talk about his memories of working with Kamala. Yeah. Well, he did um, in well, first up, yeah, right. Um, well, first off, uh, um, after, after we're done, uh, I want to, uh, direct everybody over to, uh, um, the, uh, one wrestling video channel on, uh, on YouTube, our good friend, uh, Bill after who of course, uh, knew Kamala quite well as obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys in the business did, um, because in fact, actually, um, Herb Simmons called Bill to give him the message right before, right before I called him. So, um, so go to, so go to YouTube, uh, one wrestling video after, um, this is after this is all over and that, um, so let's see, I'm trying to, I'm thinking this was around 2004 approximately. Um, you know, this is, I mean, this has been, this has been quite a while back. Um, but, uh, powerhouse, powerhouse wrestling, um, we actually we had actually managed to book James for for the for the night. We were at that time um, doing shows at uh, in uh, Lincoln, Illinois, outside of Springfield, at Lincoln I College. Those days. Yeah, um, and we already we already were getting uh, pretty good pretty good crowds, but obviously um, you know putting up uh, posters advertising. That uh, we had Kamala, the Ugandan giant, there um, was a was a big was a big deal, and so we got an even uh, bigger crowd than uh, than usual that night. And so it was a uh, you know um, it was a it was a it was a good time. Um, got to I I didn't I didn't ref the match, but I was hanging around with him um during the evening and that and you know you sometimes obviously even 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 you know us guys in the back will have certain preconceived notions of what a what a person is going to be like just based on what uh on what they you know on their on their character in the ring and that and to to watch this big guy who played this uh, sometimes dastardly villain other times um when he was a baby face it would be this childlike um innocence and that um but to but to but to listen to listen to him speak, he was a very 
erudite person. I mean, very intelligent, um, well-read, and just this gentle, I mean, this, you know, I mean, he had this soft voice. You could, you know, if, if and, uh, when there was nothing going on, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be sitting there and he'd be singing and that, which obviously that's the exact opposite of what you would expect a guy who at the time would oh, come, to the, come to the ring with a big long spear in his hand. And looked like he was looked like he was gonna, you know, threaten to put to run a guy through, and that, and you no, know, just the just the exact opposite. What a you know, I mean, what a what a great guy. What a great guy. This is just I'm, you know, I I am feeling so 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 bad right now for. Uh, the friends and family that uh, he had his daughter, um, uh, who, like I say, was the one who was helping him out throughout all of this, was a you know from everything I everything I've seen, everything that uh, Brian Blair has said about her, and that is an absolutely wonderful young lady. Um, I'm I'm hurting for her right now because, yeah, he's no longer in any pain or discomfort or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, this is her dad. And she just lost him. Now, I mean, even as an adult child, when you lose, when you lose a parent, it's, it's like your it's like your whole world collapses because you know, all of a sudden person that uh raised you and that's even with the fact that uh, obviously he was spending a lot of time out on the road but he was but he was still bringing her up and then after he got off the road was definitely you know, being that being that uh that loving parent and that I I just, you know, words Sean words escape me right now. I'm I'm just I'm just really had a hard time formulating words um, to try how how this feels and that. He he was actually on the very first Dreamwave show. He they they booked him for one last appearance, and it may have been one of his last matches, leading to his retirement in 2010. Uh, it was against Dan Lawrence. Um, I wish I could have been at that event because Kamala was just—he was somebody you wanted yeah. to learn from. Um, yes. And the same with Coco Beware. Yes. And that's this, you know this is not about Coco Beware, but Coco. Coco is the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. You yeah, don't Coco, have that kind of style anymore of guys that you want to learn from. Um, that if you sit down and talk to them, will teach you more in 20 minutes than most people that are around these days could teach you in five years. Yep. Just the way it is. Yep. Um so, um, 
We're going to try to find a clip that uh, Jim Cornette did about uh, how the character came together in the last couple weeks. Uh, I've got to find a certain episode, and I'm going to clip that clip. We'll try to play it here Thursday night. Uh, It was a recent, I believe it was on the drive-thru, almost certain it was, about Kamala. um, And Jim had answered how the character had come together and uh, a little bit more of that. Right. Stories about Kamala. Um, Katie's going to, Katie's just shocked and astonished that he's gone. Um, She'll be sharing her thoughts on Thursday night. Um, We're going to switch gears here. yeah, the way yeah. Jim did, uh, Jim did the thing about uh, the Marty Gennetti case, and so I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm, but I got, but I'm planning <laughs> on it. If, uh, I I and, listened to that, and I will not. Oh yeah. I will not spoil that, but I. <laughs> is, is, is this is this something that maybe I mean knowing Jim and his penchant for four letter words in that is is this something that maybe we need to uh kind of uh change the rating for the week to TVMA or well to uh MA for uh audio uh well it does get a rather graphic when he's describing what could have happened with the um bowling alley I'll, <laughs> okay I'll I'll listen to it I'll listen to it and I'll make a decision whether to even put it on, L, let alone whether we, um, L, if if we do put it on, whether we have to change the rating for the show. Um, Janetti has lost his damn mind. <laughs> I just have to reiterate that fact. Janetti has lost his damn mind. Um, but we also have some other wrestling news that we're going to go ahead and pick up now. Uh, I want to reiterate uh, to everybody, unfortunately, the rest of tonight's deep dive into how the RWS kind of started is going to get put on hold. We are going to be doing another one of these next month, um, kind of later in the month to kind of, you know, between between now and the 23rd of October, we'll be doing another RWS deep dive to talk about how we set up the second event in Ashton. Um, I know there's a lot of fans that are listening from Ashton tonight. I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and I want to say thank you to um, all of those that attended an event almost 11 years ago. Um, it was an 18-year-old kid with a dream. That's all it was. Um, and, and it just um, – but a lot of people don't know I had a lot of personal things that I was dealing with in the week that was that event that almost caused that event to not happen. Um I got through that event and and came out the other side and was stronger um, because they did that event. But uh, it it almost, it it almost got put back in the can um, because it was, it was bad. Um, I want to thank everybody that supported RWF and Ashton. It was three months. We'll talk more about it in the coming months. Um, I would not trade my time in that building in 2009 for anything in the world. Great fans, appreciative fans. It's more than I, what I love more than anything, um, because you go to some of these shows in other towns and you get smart mark fans and I hate them because they think they know it all. And they're very, 
hard now, to they gain think they can they think they can book better than you. I like the fans in Ashton, and Steve will tell you, those fans were very appreciative of everything that those guys went out there and put their bodies through uh, in order to keep them entertained. And the hard work yep. that Steve and I and, and guys like Ed Schumann put together to make Ashton happen. Um, I, I want to return to that building at some point. I love that building to death. They've done renovations. Um, since then, there was an event there run with Brian Blade and I in 2015 for a kid that had cancer. It's a great building. Um, unfortunately, if it were in a bigger town, it'd be sold out. But it's it's where it is, and um, people, unfortunately, just didn't want to come all the time. So um, we'll see what happens. Now um, we're going to go into some other things, some other wrestling news. Um, Marty Gennetti has lost his damn mind. Just want to repeat that. Want everybody to know. Yeah. I mean, but there's other things going on that I want to talk about. Uh, Will Ospreay, they're giving an update on Will Ospreay, and I can't get the damn thing to load. It's on, uh, let's see here, it's on Wrestling Inc. I don't know if you can get it pulled up or not. Well, There's supposed to be an update. I'll on tell you what. Right. I'll tell you what. While we're while we're at that, um, oh, um, Thursday we talked about uh, uh, Brandy Rhodes leaving uh, Twitter. Well, Joey Janela has now left Twitter as well. Wow. Um, I will. Get wrestling geeks going. Um, Joey posted it, posted a statement on his Twitter account. He says, "Hey, I've decided to give up social media. I never botched in my career, and I didn't on AEW Dark. At one point, these horrible humans on social media had me at the point of retirement, but I've retracted that decision. I will be handing my passwords to a management team. Thanks, Joey Janella. So, okay, that's." Uh, yeah, wrestling wrestling geeks is down. They're apparently reworking it. So okay, let's... Um, so let's see what we've got here. Uh, New Japan has issued a statement regarding Hiroshi Tanahashi and COVID testing. Uh, what's this about? I did not hear about this. Oh, oh boy. Yes, I actually, I actually, I actually spoke about that uh, on uh, Friday night show. Um, okay, um, last word on. Uh, Last word on pro wrestling has the uh, um, has the report of uh, of uh, James Harris passing away. Okay. Now they now uh, here we go. This is they actually have a video of him from uh, his uh, days as uh, Mississippi Mauler, Big Jim Harris. Wow. And his first ever uh, TV match. Oh, that's even better. And then a uh, Kamala versus Kerry uh, Von Erich from World Class. And then a uh, um, Kamala Hogan match from uh, Boston Garden. Um, oh, my gosh. They even have a have a, uh, um, a A match. Um, let's see here. Or no, is that Triple that A or CMLL? I got to look at this now. Um, oops, a whole 
I'll mute it because I don't want the one coming across. Um, it's a it's a it's a trio it's a trios match. Let me let me see if I can pull up the pull up the YouTube thing here and get exactly what the match is. Oh my! Uh, it's uh, Kamala uh, Mascara Año Dos Mil and Pirata Morgan versus Conan El Ferran and uh, Tinablas Jr. From uh, CMLL from uh, November of 1990. So um, this is uh, last word on ProWrestling.com fans. Um, oh my what gosh! Is, uh... Kamala and Zodiac, which was uh, another uh, Brutus Beefcake uh, gimmick. <laughs> Versus Terry uh, Morgan and and get this Scott Demore, who oh my of course a lot of people a lot of people now know as uh, as one of the executives behind Impact Wrestling. Oh my gosh, they've got a Ring of Honor uh, World Title match, Brian Danielson against uh, Kamala. <laughs> I so, thought Brian had um. Fun working hands. Oh, I know I would have oh had fun gosh. working with hands. They wanted me to do and, the splash and everything with hands. They said he couldn't do the uh, splash, but we'd work something out. Yeah, and Shiki posted, "God bless the Kamala. He always put on a show for the fans. Good big man who worked the gimmick better than most. It break my heart." Hashtag R.I.P. Kamala. Uh, Shiki, we love you, Shiki. Yeah. Um, well, there is uh, some interesting stuff going on in Japan. I sent Steve Kane the poster. There is a deathmatch tournament. Uh, well, I don't know if it's deathmatch, but if, if this poor woman is involved in it, uh, you can be certain that there's there going to be some be. bloodshed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dump Mats- oh, I can't even pronounce it. I'm just going to let Dump Steve say Matsumoto. Dump Matsumoto. Yes, Dump. Um, there's a tournament that took place last night and tonight in Japan. Um, there's a lot of people on this. I wish I could get it translated in English so I knew who all of these people were. <laughs> um, but um, it looks very interesting, and we're going to keep an eye on that. And uh, glad to see that she's still around because I did not know that. I knew that uh, Aja Kong was still around, obviously, with the recent AEW stuff, but I did not know Dump was still. Right. Um, so there's a lot going on, obviously, in the world of wrestling. Um, you can order your MJF yard signs, which I've got to I've got to make a case about this. I wish they would have been free, because if they would have been free, every wrestling fan in the world would have had one of these, and you know. People doing all of this pol- political stuff would have come by, and you'd already have a yard sign in your yard, MJF for 2020. We don't see him on yeah. the ballot. We can, MJF. We can do better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and last night I I witnessed something that. I 
just I'm I think I'm I think I'm gonna wait till Thursday to talk about this because this is I mean you talk about Japan and Japan does they do some they do some fairly wild stuff out there and some different things in terms of uh wrestling and that. Yeah. But I have just I, I saw I saw a promotion last night that I can hear um, your air quotes with that. Yeah. Well I mean I can see your I air mean, quotes with that. Know what I meant. It's 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 <laughs> well, let's put it this way, it is it is extremely, extremely different. I mean, remember, you know, in Japan they've actually held wrestling matches inside of trains. So, you know, <laughs> oh, nothing, I mean, and we know that because, our, because Royce Isaacs, uh, the time that we interviewed him, uh, was right off of him doing that, uh, that train show. And, uh, but this, but this is, this is definitely this is definitely different. Um, I think I'm yeah. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna save this until until Thursday to talk about it because uh, this is one I I want uh, I want Katie's reaction to just as well as um, you know as as yours. <laughs> oh boy. So, um. That's always, uh, that can always be a good or a bad thing. Um, you know, the thing about it is we've got AEW that is getting ready for another pay-per-view. We've got a, a WWE that's got a pay-per-view coming up this month, AEW next month, beginning of next month. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, Summer it's Slam, and then they're going to do another one two weeks later. That's like, please, are you kidding me? Huh. Oh, boy. Well, you know, but it's Vince McMahon, Vincent, Vincent Kennedy McMahon cannot be stopped. Somebody needs to take Vince off life support and just let it, let it, let the old man not have his way anymore because it's getting worse and worse. Scorn, I talked about it on his program this week. Um, And I have to use this line, but how much worse can wrestling get before we start owing the wrestling business fans? And I know that's, uh, you know, people, some people are going to say, what, what the hell does that mean? If you think about it, it makes sense. And I'll let Steve Kane try to explain it. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Say, say that again, Sean. Let's, cause I'm, how much worse can the wrestling business get before we start owing the wrestling business fans? You know, that's a question I'm not even sure that at this point there's an answer to because we don't know how. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, there, I mean, we're definitely losing um, viewers and that, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a given, but, um, you know, the fact that the fact that people are still watching says um, to me we haven't we haven't hit 
bottom yet. Well, if we hit bottom, we're going to own that. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, you know, you can, you, people ask, can it get much worse? Oh, yes. Yeah. You thought Vince Russo was bad. Wait till the next writer like Vince Russo comes along. Lord oh, God. <laughs> and I wish they were kidding, but it's coming sooner rather than later. I just know it. Yeah. It'll do with all. Um, we, you have things like I talked about the other night where Tony Khan said the only person that would be responsible for his television would be himself. And that's a mistake when you have somebody like JR um, and Taz, who's got TV experience, which I did not know until I listened to something that Jim Cornette had put out a couple years ago on the internet today, where he was talking about Taz in TNA, um, trying to help make an angle work. Um, you've got guys like that in your yeah. company that have booking experience and writing TV experience and, and producing experience and agency experience. You need to be utilizing them because if you don't, um, your TV is going to fall apart, and there is always good and bad on AEW television. Um, there are some really good good high spots, but there are also some really bad low spots. And um, it's going to get to the point where the bad is going to outweigh the good, and you've had that happen on some occasions already. Um, you're having this happen with WWE programming a lot more than uh, AEW, but um, – Certainly, they need to under. Khan has to understand that if, if he does not know wrestling, much like Eric Bischoff did not know wrestling, then you have to put somebody in charge that does, or it's not going to work. And as I said, <laughs> the whole reason that Cornette did not sign with the company was because he found out that, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are in charge, which Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are good workers but are they good leaders? And we're, we're seeing in the company that's about two years old, maybe they're not the best leaders after all. You need somebody in charge of this thing. The thing that made WCW and the NWA and Jim Crackett promotions work were two things, two people, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Either Dusty had the mm-hmm. book and it worked or Flair had the, the book and it worked. Personally? Yeah. I think I, I think Cody Rhodes should have the book and and be in charge and just I do I think but the thing about that is it becomes the thing with the fans where if he's an on air talent he can't be you know the TNT champion and booking for the whole company and all of that and I understand that because I have that same stance on that but you know we yeah. Cody's in ring career is not over. But at the same no. time, he needs to be utilized as an executive company because you need a figurehead strong like that. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are not a strong figurehead. I don't care what anybody says. They're not. It's, it's, it's not going to work. It was never going to work. Um, you have to yeah. have somebody as and the face of that company that is, you know. And Cody always. And Cody always carries well, it off are. because, of course, when he's not when he's not oh wrestling, when he's going out to uh, cut a promo in that, he's always got oh the nice looking suits and all of that. Um, he spends a lot of money on his clothes. 
Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's definitely got, it's definitely something. You've got to so, have an old yeah, timer. Yeah, that that bit that bit could do it right there. You've got to have an old timer. I mean, my God, you've got Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson there, and a couple others, um, Jake the Snake. Put one of those guys in charge. Have them be the figurehead, the the driving force behind this company. The, you know, uh, the thing that would be great with Arn is you could have Arn go. I've seen the light, and I've seen the way that the the, the wrestling uh, succeeds in 2020, and this is what we have to do. And this is the next generation of talent, and this is what I have faith in that is going to be the next generation for not only the next, you know, six months, but the next six years and the next 26 years. Um, Because that's, you don't have somebody like that right now with wrestling. Because nobody has faith in Vince McMahon. Nobody has faith in Triple H. Nobody has faith in Stephanie. Nobody has faith in Shane McMahon. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody has faith in any of those people. You need a veteran that knows the business that these people that have not watched wrestling in a while can have, but you're not going to do it with all this silly comedy horse crap. And I didn't realize it until it was pointed out to me on, you know, the other programs that I listened to that they had two political type things on um, the program. Um, They had the debate and then they had the, um, you know, MJF segment. That was a little bit redundant. If you're going to do something like that, you, you, you got to curb it, much like they had more than enough blood. After Matt Hardy almost bled out and died, they should not have blood again in the main event. Um, I realize that some of this may have been taped on different nights and post-produced, but right. you got to do something. Exactly, and, and of course, and and the heart and the uh, and the Hardy segment um, that was that actually was was a total accident. Um, uh, Guevara grabbed the wrong chair, and that and in the excitement of the uh, of the moment, just uh, just threw it uh, too hard. Oh my God. Cornette, we will not be ripping that clip for the show, but Cornette ripped him a new one for for that. Um, you know, and he talked about we want to we want to. You know, I agree with him, but I don't agree. He said that he would have suspended Sammy for that, even though it was an accident, because the way he whipped the chair um, made it seem like he was pissed off. Um, but you never know. I mean, you never know. And I know on television, that looks brutal as shit. And as a television producer um, or somebody that's with TNT, I I don't think that, you know, obviously we play those kind of movies, but uh, that show hopefully has that kind of rating to be able to cover that up because that, that could have been very bad. Um, And it certainly just looked a lot worse than, I mean, it, it, it was bad. I, I, you gotta, you got to slow down. We've said this before. Slow down, because had that been a couple inches over and hit his eye, oh my god. Yeah. We wanted to do a eye for eye. We get a guy on AEW that almost gets his eye taken out because somebody whips a chair into his face. No, slow down. I don't care. You know, 
look, you're giving you're giving guys that don't deserve 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and you're giving people like you know MJF, who is going to be your next supposedly be your next big thing. You gotta. That's another thing. They they got they've got to learn to format the shows again, because if they don't, they're not going to. Some of the shit doesn't make sense already, and we know that by watching Raw and SmackDown. But even with Raw or even with NXT and AEW, if they don't learn to pace this shit out better, it'll never make sense. Because you go you go from one extreme to the other in very little time. And there were a lot of bad reviews for the uh, AEW Women's Tournament. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that yet, but very mixed feelings the by round. the fans. Very mixed feelings by the fan by a lot of fans on that. I didn't mind it, but I don't know if it was the greatest thing that I've ever seen. I like seeing Medusa, but I don't know if it was the greatest thing that I've ever seen. And I can see where they're going with it. And uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be Brandy and Allie that win, and then Allie's going to turn on Brandy, or Brandy's going to turn on Allie. That's that's where they're going with this, unfortunately. Um, I wish another team would come along and, oh, we'll just have you know. To. Uh, we'll, just have, we'll just have to see. I don't we'll know that I want to see any more of Brandy Ruth. I don't know if I want to see any more of Brandy in the ring, and that's no disrespect to her, but we talked about this the other night. I, there, there's a certain point where it's just enough. Um, I know she works hard. She works hard, probably harder than anybody there, but if you just don't have it, you just don't have it. And force-feeding her on network television is only going to piss people off more. Um, but there are some good girls that they have brought to this tournament that – uh, what was her name? Taya Conte? Or... Yeah, Taya. Yeah, Taya. Yeah, Taya. Taya Conte. My God, that there's some talent there. There's some other people that they have brought to the table recently um, that might be able to do something in that women's division. And um, the other thing is, they have to learn who to keep in the crowd and who to not put in that crowd. For their television and WWE too. If you have somebody that's going to be your top guy or girl, you don't put them in the front row of your television or YouTube unless they're going to be doing a segment, especially in street clothes, because then it just and you know no makeup, then it looks really bad. Um, these are things we talk about every week. We're going to end tonight talking about Kamala one last time. Great guy. Yeah. Did not deserve to be treated the way he was treated by Vince. Should have made a lot more money in the business. Should have never had to worry about the things that he had to worry about uh, in his life. And will never be duplicated. Although some have tried to imitate it. And uh, just unreal that I started tonight thinking we were going to be talking about how my company came about and some other little news things. And um, about 20 minutes into the program, halfway through, you know, half an hour into the program, we get hit with that. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. Uh, Remember that we've got some uh, programming coming up. I want everybody to mark their calendars right now because 
anniversary, the seven-year anniversary of this program that started out years ago as PWR Slam um, is celebrating its seventh year anniversary. It will be October 7th and October 8th. I'm sorry, October 6th and October – no, that's right, October 7th and October 8th. Unless we – we might change it. I'm just going to give everybody a heads up that might happen, but we're going to – we're going to see what happens here. We've got to keep an eye on what's going on with programming with TNT. Um, but there is one last pro, uh, um, there is uh, one last thing that I have to bring you, which you might have brought these fans uh, the other night, and that is a TNT executive who brought AEW to TNT has been fired. All right, I don't say know if you covered that the other night. An executive, a major executive who brought AEW to TNT has been fired. Oh, you broke this um, news the other night. No, it, no, it that happened. That happened after. Um, after I'd uh, gone off the air on Friday was when that came out. Um, this is certainly not good news, and Cornette made point to this on his program. It would be the biggest black ball of the wrestling business if this happened twice on the same network to wrestling. But there's now, if this, you know, if this is the guy that brought AEW to TNT and he's gone... Tony Khan doesn't have anybody in his back pocket to keep this shit on TNT. Now, now they're going to be accountable for the ratings. They're this. This is not good news for them. Yeah, not good news at all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but you know what though, Sean? Their numbers lately have been very, very good. Um, I mean, this past Thursday, they uh, they, they pulled down nine hundred eighty thousand viewers, or the past Wednesday. They pulled down 980,000 viewers. They were like well over 200,000 above NXT. So I don't, I don't think that Tony's got anything to worry about at at this point in time. Hopefully not. Uh, but we know what we know he's, the way Turner has he's worked. Drawing, he's yeah. drawing the number. He's drawing the viewers and drawing the ad revenue. So, now uh, um, the other I, one that I want to get I don't to think. The other yeah. one I'll get to, and then we're going to close. Uh, Chris Jericho has banned Jim Cornette from watching AEW Dynamite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's about time somebody banned Cornette from doing that. Oh shit! This is only going to start a war, you know that. And and what's funny, people don't realize this. Is what's funny is Jim Cornette is responsible for Jim Chris Jericho having a career here in the United States. Because Cornette, yep. Cornette brought him to Smoky Mountain, and then uh, Heyman picked him up. And after Heyman picked him up, he went to WCW. That's the lineage of Chris right. Jericho. So it's well, funny that these two at least, at least in the state. But yeah, but but Chris Jericho was already um, L, a known commodity in uh, you know not just. Uh, Canada, but in Japan and Mexico as well. So it's so it was it was the work there that uh, that Jim noticed that uh, brought him 
and and Lance over to Smoky Mountain. And then from there, they both, their careers both took off big. Although, you know, as individuals rather than as the thrill seekers, I would have liked to have seen the thrill seekers get a shot in WCW or WWF because I think they would have uh, taken either promotion by storm. Well, it's funny that you say that. Uh, Jim did a deep dive into the match that uh, Jericho had in Smoky Mountain with Lance Storm. I forget who it was against, but the basically earlier in the day, Jericho had gone out and done a 450 and broken his arm. Um, so he, he reviewed that match like last week or the week before last on the drive-thru. Uh, so you might want to check mm. that out. Cause that's actually That was actually okay. really good to sit there and listen to how, you know, um, had it not been for Jericho breaking his arm that he, they may have gone to WCW in 95 or WWE in 95. Cause you got to remember during that time, uh, Cornette was funneling the WWE a lot of talent. Kane came from Smoky Mountain. I mean, there were others that came right. from Smoky Mountain that, you know, uh, went through the right. WWE asset in, in the mid nineties. Right. So, um, well, my old, well, my old friend, Al Snow actually, uh, um, spent time, spent time in Smoky Mountain before he wound up uh, working for Paul yeah, Heyman in WCW and coming up with uh, with Had, which right. is how Vince wound up uh, hearing about him and find and uh, and uh, actually signing him. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then Vince stuck in with that horrible Avatar gimmick. Well, actually, no, actually, actually, Vince did not do that. That <laughs> character, that character was actually something that he had created himself. Um, in fact, uh, in Windy City, he actually did a match under the uh, Shinobi gimmick. Oh wow. Which, which, you know, when you, when you consider, and I mean, you know, here's, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm really pulling out uh, some old stuff here. Um, to, he started out as um, part of a tag team called uh, the, called the Motor City Hitmen. And he was doing some sort of, odd accent to this day I don't even think he knows what kind of an accent it was that he was doing to <laughs> where he to where you know he he did that with uh, Mickey Doyle and then um he wound up with uh Denny Cass um bringing back the uh kangaroos gimmick and so for several years he was uh running around um, doing an Australian accent, and of course, I mean at that at that time, it was yeah, you know, it was a good it was a good deal. Uh, it was acceptable because um, you know, Crocodile Dundee was a, was a big movie at the time, and that, which is why Vince came up with uh, Outback Jack, or as Bobby Heenan. God rest his soul used to used to refer to him outhouse Jack. 
<laughs> one of one yeah. of the one of the many forgettable characters from eighties and nineties WWE. Oh, there were a lot of those. Along with, yeah, I think it was Mystico was the guy's name that uh, did a magician gimmick, and that before there was Ace Austin, there was Mystico. Well, don't forget about Phantasmo. I think that was his name. Oh, that's that's, what, that's what his name was. Fantasio. Fantasio. Yeah. Fantasio or some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, some some night some night we need to some night, Sean, we need to do a show of bad wrestling gimmicks. I mean, we could we could wind up we could wind up doing three four hours just on all the bad gimmicks that have been well, out there yeah. over the years. And that's and that's well, just, and that's on and that's on you know WCW WWF you know not even not even I mean, counting all the all the indie all the indie goofs. Well there's plenty plenty of those too. Um so, you know, the RWF started almost 11 years ago. We'll do another further deep dive here in a couple of weeks on the first event again and kind of how it all came to be. Um, we've been around for a long time, and people yep. can say what they want. People, I don't care. don't care anymore. Um, I know what I accomplished. I know what I set out to do at age 16, that by the, by the time I turned 19, I was going to have run at least one event on my own, maybe under somebody's tutelage, but on my own. And I did three. So, you know, let this be a lesson to anybody. I can't do anything. No, never say that you can't do it. Because if you put your mind to something, you can do it. However, as we've learned, there are sometimes people and situations that will put themselves in the way of you having success. And it's not that things, you know, shouldn't have happened the way that they did, but shoulda, coulda, woulda, as my stepdad used to say. So that's that's the life lesson with that. Now, uh, we have WWE Raw tomorrow night. The AEW Women's Tournament, the Deadly Draw tomorrow night. AEW Dark and Impact on Tuesday. Yeah. AEW Dark is going to be good. Um, Rachel Ellering makes her uh, debut. Um, um, Alex Chamberlain, who was also a guest uh, back in the days of uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling, makes his debut this episode. So... Uh, it's it's a pretty loaded event then Wednesday is Dynamite and NXT Thursday obviously we will be live and uh, well there's no wrestling scheduled for that night as we know right now but who knows what they will schedule well the few nights there isn't wrestling anymore on TV somewhere (laughs) and then uh, Friday obviously Smackdown what is going to happen with Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss? We don't know. It's it's getting creepier and creepier. Um, 
And obviously Saturday, there's no wrestling on anymore. And Sunday, there is no wrestling on anymore. Um, well, you know, that's Saturday the way would is. be, uh, would be MLW if, uh, if we were, if we were actually, uh, you know, if they were actually running events and uh, doing TV right now. Yes. On BN and uh, obviously but... Tuesday would have been, Tuesday would have been NWA power. We are waiting to see what will happen with that. Uh, maybe the, I'm, there's a lot of people that have hope the NWA will return. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, you can't do studio wrestling when you have a pandemic going on. Um, nope. Because the NWA has got to do studio wrestling their way. And, uh, yeah, if they can't do it that way, then they they to be doing very, it. Uh, yeah, it's a very tight um, studio that they that they tape in. Right now, not everybody is running events, but some of these people are running events. Um, don't claim that you're going to do, do social distancing and not actually do it, or enforce it, or enforce mask wearing or any of that. Right. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Don't half-ass it. Somebody's safety is not worth it because you want to do no, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you want to play wrestling promoter. You know, this, this is something that still needs to be taken seriously. And I feel bad for all the people living in Chicago because after what mayor light puts all over the weekend, there's going to be another shutdown in Chicago. It's evident at this point because people do not know how to listen. Um, yep. You have to. You believe what you want, but I'm I'm choosing to wear a mask and wash my ha- damn hands and and try to be as safe as possible and take Bingo. so much vitamin C. I'll probably piss out in a day that it ain't even funny, but at least I know that I'm not going to get sick. Um, there you and are. our president is still a dipshit, a, just a, a fucking yep. blubbering dipshit, and we've got elections coming up, so. You know, God only knows what's going to happen to this country for the next four years. Hopefully, it's not in that blubbering piece of shit hands, but you right. never know. <laughs> Usually, we don't go political, but <laughs> right, he's not here, and so, and I don't care. But not for him, right? Um, I don't care. I you can you can vote for you know giant douchebag for all I care. Do not vote. For that blubbering piece of pig shit. Well, don't vote. Don't vote for a third party either. That's a wasted um, vote. Um, the, the votes, the votes for the uh, party candidates in 2016 in Florida would have given Hillary Clinton the state and possibly would have changed the outcome of the election. Well, you know what they say: her emails, her emails. Yep. You know. So. Yep. Yeah, this is what we right, get, well, people, we'll... and and this is why we are the laughing stock of the world, and people don't understand yeah. that. And we have governors. I, I I told my mom the other day. I said, why when this thing broke out, did we not sit all of the governors of all of the states down in one location and go? You all need to figure this shit out. You all need to be on the same page to where because, we're, we're because there was supposed to be there was a pan, there was a pandemic playbook. And a pandemic team in place, President Obama and Vice President Biden had it set up. Trump, Trump threw out the book, fired the pandemic team. Well, that's otherwise, that's, uh... otherwise, otherwise, we'd have probably, 
we'd have been we'd have been through this thing in a in a month or so and we probably would not have to be wearing masks right now not being able to how have sporting you know have crowds at sporting events things like that well so um you know America, that's all yeah. I got to say about that. We we yeah. uh yeah. we we have to have our freedoms. Sometimes our freedoms are should be taken from us when we do stupid decisions like this. So, uh that's what I have to yeah. say about that because uh, and you know, that's not to punish the rest of us. That's to say that not everybody that uh you know, we we gave everybody the right to vote. That doesn't mean everybody has the capability of voting fairly or logically. Yep. I'm just going to check yep. this in your box. Yep. No, and I'm speaking sorry, of checking things, I think we need to check out. Yes, so. we will be back Thursday night for Rampage Rants Thursday Night Turmoil, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Steve Kane and I are working on guests for Anniversary, which is coming your way very soon, and you can follow us on the socials. You know where to find us, Rampage Rants. Uh, Wrestling Authority Radio, all of that, Evolution Radio Network. Evolution Radio Network. I want want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. Obviously, Friday nights are live from the Dean's Den. Thursday nights are either Wrestling Authority Radio or Rampage Rants, Thursday Night Turmoil. We will be joined by Chaotic Katie Mason on Thursday as usual, and we will be here. So with that being said, again, send our well wishes and prayers to the memory and legacy of Kamala. Good night, everybody. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.